How are you doing today, Lila? I'm doing well. How are you? Absolutely fantastic. Oh, we're going to dive into so many things because I'll tell you what, I'm inspired that you understand meditation. Oh my God. Mm. I don't get the opportunity to speak with people who truly, truly study it and activate it. Mm. Well, you know, it's more my parents than it is me. I can't take credit, all the credit for it, but I appreciate somebody who also appreciates it. So hello. Do you think that it, your parents were drawn into it or felt it because of, of living up in the Seattle area? Because there's something about the Pacific Northwest. I'm from Montana. When I look at those mountains, mm-hmm. there's calm, there's serenity. Absolutely. Yes. And the people there are sort of drawn to those sorts of things. Yeah. It's the calm in the nature that, and then you go back into the city and it's you know, hectic and chaotic. And so I think people around here want to hold on to hold on to that serenity and that calm. And so they turn to things like meditation, just as my parents did. What about you when you're on that that NBC's The Voice stage? I mean, there's there's a place that you go to in order to find that calm so that you can those vocals show up. Yeah, I think it's been years and years in the making, you know, I've been, my, my meditation practice is, is pretty rough around the edges, to be honest with you, but just growing up around it, it just taught me how to keep, keep myself composed, keep myself connected to the source so that it can flow through me and I can perform and execute in the best, to the best of my ability. So, um, yeah. And also years and years of, you know, performing and gigging and doing all the things. I think that combination really allows me to, perform to my best ability and really show off what I can do without letting, you know, nerves get to me or what have you. I love the idea that you, you aren't afraid to perform at a farmer's market because here in Charlotte, they, they, the musicians, they'll perform in grocery stores every Thursday night. There's musicians in a grocery store. Are you serious? That's amazing. Yeah, because we take music so seriously and it's, and to me, it's, it's all part of the community as well. You, you bring in a performer everybody sits around and has, has conversation while the performer's on. It's like, wow, how the best way to take care of a community is music. Mm, I completely agree. I wish more people saw it that way. Yeah. So now what what do you feel when you're at the farmer's market? Because I mean, the, I mean, my God, I mean, you're with real honest to God people who are on a mission, but they stop for a moment and they hear your energy. Yeah, I love playing at that flea market in LA. It's 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 just um, it's kind of a chill gig, so it gives me people are paying attention, but they're not paying attention necessarily too closely. Some people are. Some people sit and stay for the whole set, mm-hmm. and some people just come and go, stop for a moment. Um, I don't know. It's kind of refreshing to play and just people watch while you're doing it. See what pe- see what people like. See what sticks. It's kind of like a focus group for me to yeah. see. Oh, people like that song. People like this song. Oh, okay, maybe people like lost attention when I played something slower or faster or whatever it is. So it's kind of every gig I do is just more knowledge gained and more experience gained. That piano, you're, you're learning on that piano. I, I have a piano in my dining room right now that came from 19, or, sorry, 1869. And and so, I mean, so to hear wow. that, that you love a piano as well, how are you preserving that piano to keep it inside your history? Yeah, I mean, it's not a, it's not a specific piano, but the piano itself is like my... The way, I don't, the way that music speaks to me the most, not, it's like the way I can accompany myself, the way I can be the whole band, um, just on my own. And I feel like it, it shows my artistry the best. I mean, obviously my mother is a classical pianist, so I feel deeply connected to it as I've been playing the piano since I was, you know, four or five years old. Um, but the piano, there's something about the piano. I write my best songs at it. I feel my deepest emotions there. I feel like I perform the best at the piano. So I'll, I'll never let it go. 
Yeah, yeah. What do you still have your mother's piano, or does she still have it? She still has it. Yes, back in Seattle. Yeah, I live in LA now, but she has it. Yep. Yeah. The re- here's the reason why I bring it up is because it, when I read that about you, it was because I'm I'm going through a struggle now where my mother passed away last year, but nobody knows what to do with the piano, and I'm in Carolina, and it's like, oh my god, mm. you know, it's just that that piano can't be sold to somebody else because it's been a, a major no. part of the of the family tradition. No, yeah, you can't get rid of it. I I understand what you mean. I know my mom's my mom still has the piano that she was playing before I was even born. That she was playing when we woke up in the morning, when we went to sleep at night. That we learned everything on. We practiced scales on. It's like a part of the the DNA of the family, a part of the DNA of my musical experience, and it has shaped, you know, the the musician I am today. So I understand. I understand how you feel about your your mother's piano. Did you record your mother at all? Because I mean that that's very important. I sit here and listen to cassette tapes of my mother playing when I was a child. Um, no, my mom has a bunch of CDs out, so no, and my mom's still here with us, so I can listen to her whenever, but I know I didn't personally record her. Yeah, yeah. It's little moments like that that you just hold on to forever. And and it's, it's the way that you've got, you know, even with your own music. I mean, I love the way that a song grows, and especially when it's mm. in a raw state. How, how do you make it where you've got it so pure, now I've got to make it to where people will tap into it? Well... Honestly, I believe that as an artist, if you are completely honest in your craft and completely honest in your art and true to yourself, mm-hmm. the highest product will come out of it. So I, I, and I feel like when, when you're in it and your whole heart and soul is in it and your heart and soul is open, people will feel it. And that's been my experience so far. I think like having, being able to be vulnerable in music is the most important part about it it's like this special spark it's like life force within you and you could be the most technically capable musician out there and if you don't have that if you don't have that life force or that spark or that 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 ability to tap into the something higher than you that allows everybody to connect to it then you know it just doesn't mean as much to me it's so strange for creative people especially musicians when you've got that confidence with your music because not everybody understands that look this is not conceit this is confidence that we're that i'm going to do this and so people will say oh you're just set in your way have you battled that war at all not particularly i mean Definitely early on, like when I was in high school and college, I had a few, I mean, not non-musicians, they were more musicians who were my, um, my teachers that they were kind of thought I was set in my ways and wanted me to do things differently. And I, you know, can be a little bit stubborn or hotheaded at times, but ultimately I'm really grateful that I stayed true to myself during Mm -hmm. those times because I think it has, it's the path I was on and it has led me where I, where I've ended up today. Speaking of today, we're living in this world with, with Taylor Swift re-recording her music so she can own it. How are you protecting your music, especially in this AI generation where they could steal your voice and make music without you? Yeah, it's terrifying. Um, I mean, I'm still small enough, you know, the record that I'm, that I'm recording and producing is still independent right now. So I, it's all mine as we speak, but as things kind of heat up after being on the show and seeing what happens with me on the show, I will have to be really fierce and protective of my art and my craft Mm -hmm. and take examples from people like Taylor Swift, who maybe were exploited in the beginning and then are taking back their power. So I'm going to try to maintain my power throughout. We'll see how that goes. The album that you're working on, is this the one where you, it was a Kickstarter? 
Indeed it was. Oh, my God. I love it when musicians do that because that gets the fan involved. And it, and it sets you exactly. up. Oh, my God. It's such a connection. Yeah, it was, you know, honestly, it was I needed the money. I needed to do it. I needed I didn't have, you know, however much money it takes to record an album. I didn't have it. So and I had all these songs and I was so ready to go. I wasn't going to waste any time. And I said, OK, let me just ask my community. And it's kind of it's always scary to ask people for money. Everybody knows that. It's like there's a lot of like shame and embarrassment and like ego involved. Mm-hmm. And I eventually had to just put that aside and be like, listen, if people believe in me and believe in my craft, they will want to contribute to this. And people showed up. Yep. I raised sixteen sixteen thousand dollars to record that album. It's still not done yet and you know, the funds only go so far, but it does get the community involved, the fans involved, people who aren't musicians but who believe in you involved, they feel like they have a, a stake in the game, which I think is precious to them. And and me, of course. Well Kenny Loggins does it. His past two albums have been have been through Kickstarter. Wow, really? Yeah, So, but this is the way that he does it. He goes, okay, you invest in my next album. He says, I'm going to give you tickets to the show, or I'm going to sign the album and send it to you. There's always an incentive for somebody who invests in the music. that, And it also tells him, hey, you believe in the music. Yep, totally, absolutely. Wow, Kenny Loggins. Go Kenny Loggins. Absolutely. Well, it, it it's about storytelling. I mean, that, that that's that's mm-hmm. his main drive. And so and you seem to be the same way in the way that it's like, okay, this isn't just a song. There's a story here. There's a vision here. Totally. Yeah, it's all about the vision. It's all about the process. I don't know. It's it's I, I'm grateful for what I do and for how far I've come. When you're putting a song together, are you thinking about the one that's going to receive it through speakers or at a live performance? Because in radio, we put pictures in front of us and we we, we make sure that we're talking with someone and not talking at someone. I say when I write the song, I just write the song. Mm-hmm. I write, I just, I'm not thinking about how it's going to be received or how it's going to, what people are going to think about it. Because if you let all those external factors in, the product is not going to be genuine to you. It's going to be, you know, making something for somebody else. And so, and like I said before, I feel like those songs aren't, aren't the best ones. It's when you, when you feel your deepest emotions and you, and you let yourself be vulnerable and you let yourself go to that place that the song just kind of flows out as it's supposed to be. And I, I have, I have one song called vessel that it's a really simple kind of a short song, but it's a, it's essentially talking about when you're an artist or a creative person and an idea just comes to you and Mm -hmm. it feels like you didn't think of it. It just showed up. It feels like somebody else something else just used you as a vessel to communicate this idea and so the refrain of the song is i let the music come and go i'm just a vessel not a home Mm -hmm. like i'm just a a means by which this message can be can come to this world can come to this earth or whatever from wherever or whomever whatever it is um opening yourself up to those powers I think is really really well powerful don't you love those moments I call that a stream thinking moment in other words you open mm-hmm. up everything and all of a sudden something comes in mm-hmm how do you yep. ex- how do you exercise that? Because I do I do a, a, a podcast called Stream Thinking, and and that's one of the reasons why you've got to teach people to become stream thinkers and to understand that it, you're not being weird, you're just being part of everything around you. Well, I'm not doing it, you know, in a podcast and in like performing in front of people. I suppose maybe one day I will, 
Um, those, I, it just, it takes a lot of practice to open yourself up to yeah. that. And, and, and indeed it's kind of like, um, meditation in some ways, you know what I mean? Like, so I think being able to learning to flex that muscle or even to be aware that that's an option, just growing up as a child, it made it easier for me to transition to, to the, to the, you know, the artist's the artist's idea of doing that, which is like you said, whatever you call, you call it stream thinking. Yeah. I call it, I don't even know what I call it. I just call <laughs> it opening your, opening yourself up and let, and letting yourself receive whatever is to be blessed upon you. And, um, it doesn't always happen. It really doesn't. I've only written a few songs that I feel are representative of that. But when it does happen every time I'm grateful for it and every time it's, it's just like another, another penny in the piggy bank of okay and like i have a lifetime of doing that so that's a comforting thought always you said my favorite word transition i I, that's such a powerful word because as creative people we're constantly transitioning Mm. do you find that happening absolutely i mean i'm going through yeah major life transition right now as you know being Mm -hmm. on this show being on the voice seeing my life change and probably change forever. I'm, I'm like, feel like the last time I went through a serious transition was probably about a year ago when my boyfriend and I of four years had broken up. Like we were young kids when we got together, that was a huge transition, painful transition. Um, the year before that I had graduated college. So yeah, it's been like, you're always transitioning, like not even just as a musician or an artist, but as a young person, especially, you know, I'm 24 years old. So my life has been nothing but constant transition up until this point. And it continues to be so as my, you know, quote unquote career is really like becoming a career at this very juncture, being on this TV show and letting the world get to see what I can do and what I have to offer. So, so yes, I feel like I am in a state of transition. When, when you write your own music and you produce your own music, does that become the soundtrack to your life? Because, I mean, I, I can't listen to the radio like I, I like I did before I got into radio because I know the guy behind the curtain. What about for you? Mm. You mean specifically with my own music? Yeah, because, I mean, because I've written music and the thing is, is it becomes, you know, you say, okay, so what were you doing in 2002? Well, I can tell you what song I was working on in 2002, but I can't tell you about ah. the, you, you see what I mean? I see what you mean. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. So it's so funny because some of the songs that I recorded on the album, I wrote, you know, at this point two years ago, which is maybe not that long in the grand scheme of things. Some artists don't record songs or they record songs they wrote 11 years ago that they're now on their current album. You know what I mean? So it's not that long, but for me, because I'm young, it is. And sometimes it can be hard to emotionally connect to a song that you wrote two years ago when you were in a very different place going through something very very different but it's always a timestamp, a timestamp, and always if you're like I said if you're honest and you're true that emotion will always shine through and it can be kind of like a a log to look back yep, on oh yep. that's where I was look at where I am now or Oh, I wish I was further along. Oh, I wish I'm kind of still in that similar situation, but it's with somebody new now or, you know, whatever have you. So it's totally a soundtrack to your life. It's totally like a, it's like a diary sort of, yeah. but 
but presented outwards that you share with everybody. <laughs> yeah, because I love it when these bands, they'll go in and they'll remaster their albums. And, it, and it's like, did you, did you change some vocals? Did you rework the words? Because, I mean, as you mm. age, I mean, Stevie Nicks is known for saying, hey, look, songs evolve. Sometimes you just got to mm. change them. Totally. Absolutely. I know. I know. It's so And, and being able to have that honest and open conversation with yourself. Yeah. Hey, this is not, I wrote this song in a different place and I still feel connected to the song, but I think it's different now, you know, being able to do that and not being so attached to the final fixed form of something, you know, what is your Kickstarter? So listeners can, you know, support you, give you some love. So my Kickstarter, you can just look up Lila Ford kickstarting campaign. I wonder if you can still donate to it. It was kind of months ago. So, but Look it up and see and see if you can, and I can let you know also. Um, my socials, L-I-L-F-O-D-Y on Instagram and TikTok. Lila Ford on Facebook. Just keep uh, keep up, you guys. Follow along. I'm here to stay for sure. Absolutely. When you say your name, Lila Ford, has anybody confused you with Lita Ford? Oh, good grief. I thought you'd never ask. Yes, of course. <laughs> I of was, course. But see, but see, you're, what makes you different is the fact that when you hit that second L, you're strong with it. And you want people to know that you said Lila Ford. Lila Ford. There's no Lita Ford about it. Lila Ford. And there's also an E at the end of my Ford. Absolutely. <laughs> Please come back <laughs> to this show anytime in the future. The door is always going to be open for you. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for talking today. Well, you be brilliant. And when you finish that album, I want to talk to you about it because I want to go in and break down the lyrics. I want to I want to hear the story of all the songs. Well, let's do that. I'll take you up on it, okay? Okay. You be brilliant, okay? I will. Thank you so much.